0: Today we hear three different voices on the terraforming of the United States and the world. What is happening? Who are the players? What are their objectives? Hello again everybody, this is uh, Jason Powers So today we're going to uh, play three, um, three different videos uh, Probably the majority of each one uh, Except for the one by um, uh, Glenn Beck uh, But we're going to first start off with Mark Levin And, and um, I'll play probably the majority of this And then we'll make a discussion on it, a quick discussion on it And then move on from there
1: Hello America, I'm Mark Levin, and this is Life, Liberty, and Levin. I have some books here, not for show. I'm doing an enormous amount of research and reading as I prepare for my own writing. And I need to tell you about what's going on with your country. Rather than in some surface-level, superficial way, I want us to dive a little bit deeper tonight because it's very, very serious. First thing I want to do is remind you Thomas Paine, December 23, 1776. He wrote a pamphlet called The Crisis. It was so powerful that George Washington read it to the troops because the morale was very low and we were losing the Revolutionary War. And it opens with, these are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in this crisis shrink from the service of their country. But he that stands by it now deserves the love and thanks of man and woman. Tyranny, like hell, is not easily conquered, yet we have this consolation with us that the harder the conflict, the more glorious the triumph. What we obtain too cheap, we esteem too lightly. It is dearness only that gives us everything its value. Heaven knows how to put a proper price upon its goods, and it would be strange indeed, if so celestial an article as freedom, should not be highly rated. We don't talk much about freedom, let alone individual freedom and property rights and unalienable rights anymore. We don't really hear much reference by these politicians in the White House and in Congress about the Declaration of Independence, our founding document, because many of them reject it, many of them abhor it. We're told there was a meeting in the White House earlier in the week, with some so-called historians and Joe Biden, put together by John Meacham, who had been writing some of Biden's speeches without telling the American people as he was critiquing them on MSNBC. But he pulled a meeting together with a number of them, Beschloss and others, and Biden wanted to know, and they wanted him to know, that he could and should go big, real big, that he has the potential to be bigger than FDR and LBJ. And Barack Obama, three of the biggest spending, most expansive government presidents we've had in American history.
0: So um, that was actually hold on. So that was something that I observed. Um, uh, there was a recent article from the Economist regarding the fact that uh, they were. They were kicking around uh, historians, so this is where he's getting the same information from. It was a different historian, but the idea was uh, to to linchpin Biden to being the the great the I guess you could say the third great um, progressive uh, behind FDR and LBJ, and then have Joe Biden and Barack Obama. But this is this is ostensibly the 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 redo of Obama's administration because most of the people that are surrounding. Joe Biden are, were or uh, closely attached to the Obama administration, so it's just a redux of whatever he had in, in mind. And and there was an interview done by Stephen Colbert with Obama, um, Obama being asked about what he would do if he had another term, which was kind of interesting because the media likes to the, the media plays this game where they 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 put out put out information as a Hypotheticals but in reality that's Exactly what they want to do I know Liberals have caught on to this I'm sure But uh, for the hard Left I mean this is their little this is The the way they play their games uh, They uh, Approach broach a subject and then they Go ahead and say well you know we We might entertain that idea And that's what that was what was happening With uh, uh, Colbert when he was talking to Obama which of course their best Their best their the tightest buddies you've ever seen I mean it's it's so sad I mean that at the end of the uh Michelle Obama and that that clown uh Colbert were on tv they would they would always play this little I don't know I, I it's it, 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 it it's repulsive it makes me want to vomit but uh, I haven't watched Colbert since late 2016 at least maybe even earlier than that I mean and the only reason why I watched it was like it was right after the election. I think I watched one night, like half of a night, because I had the TV on and I decided to watch some of it. And that was the last time. And then probably before that, probably was 2013, 2012. So not somebody I watch very much of. And when I have watched, it's only clips now. I don't want to get off on a tangent here, but uh, yeah, the the concept here is that uh, they're they're trying to lynchpin. Or they're, they're, they're saying that he needs to go big and go fast. And Levin goes into the different books that uh, are being uh, used uh, towards the idea of uh, critical race theory. Uh, or and really neo-Marxism. But uh, these books are being used as like the, the background materials for how we're going to destroy the United States of America. So I'll play a little bit more of his, uh, of his video.
1: I want you to keep something in mind. Our Constitution is intended to prevent this sort of thing. Go big, go fast, they're telling them. The Constitution says go slow and be deliberative. We have three branches of government. We have separation of powers. We have a Bill of Rights. We have what we call states, federalism, the Ninth Amendment, the Tenth Amendment. We have a First Amendment. All these rights under the Bill of Rights are intended to protect the individual against the government. Massive government spending in all things, reaching every corner of our society, affecting all aspects of our culture. That's not what the Constitution created. The Constitution didn't create some kind of neo-Marxist or democratic socialist regime of the sort they have in Europe and other places in the world. And so I've been taking a very close look at these things, and Joe Biden's executive orders. And you might recall the Biden-Sanders Manifesto. There was 150 pages that I discussed over and over again on this program, on radio, and on Levin TV as well. They're instituting this line by line, page by page. This is a manifesto, and I'm going to say it. It's a neo-Marxist manifesto. If we don't have the strength and the courage to use the accurate language to describe what's going on, then we will not be able to confront it let alone defeated. Now, I want you to know, Joe Biden is not well-read. He's not particularly bright. He never has been, even in his uh, most cogent days. But he is surrounded by ideologues, not just from the Obama administration, but other ideologues. And I want you to know something about them. They read books like Counter-Revolution and Review by Herbert Marcuse. Herbert Marcuse, who I'll get to in a minute. Stick with me. Here's another one. The Breaking of the American Social Combat, Francis Fox Piven and Richard A. Cloward. These are Marxists. Frontiers in Social Movement Theory, two other professors. We have Is Everyone Really Equal, second edition, two more professors, including Robin D'Angelo, who may be known to some of you. Reason and Revolution, again, Herbert Marcuse, there he is, Marxist. The Dialectical Imagination, Dialectical Imagination of the Marcuse School of Marxism. Stick with me. Marx and Education, the late Jean Aignan, how to use Marxism in the classroom. Critical Race Theory, Richard Delgado and Jean Stefniks, right there. Again, Jean Ayan, Radical Possibilities, that is Marxism in the Classroom. The Progressive Education Movement by William Hayes. Do you even know all this is going on? Again, One Dimensional Man, which was a very important book to the new left, Herbert Marcuse, again. Here we have Liberalism and Social Action. John Dewey, one of the original progressives 100 years ago. Angels in Stalin's Paradise. We have more. Radicals. You're familiar with this, Rules for Radicals? Solinsky. We have navigating borders critical race theory is not just anymore about blacks it's about immigration we have critical immigration theory or what they call lacric now never heard of it did you and then of course we have the new york times and the 1619 project the purpose of which is to inculcate and indoctrinate students in our elementary and middle schools to hate america what else do we have here we have the degrowth movement that calls itself the climate change movement. In defense of degrowth by Jorge Collis We have political theory and global climate change. It uh, doesn't matter who it's by, but these are professors and scholars in the field so-called. What is critical environmental justice? We have farewell to growth. I want you to know all these books are relevant to the people who surround Joe Biden to Bernie Sanders, to AOC, these are professors, these are so-called scholars, both in America and overseas, that are affecting your lives. Now what about our media? I pointed out this book the other day, Prop...
0: So, I'll stop it right there, that's probably enough to, to give you an idea. So he's holding up a book by Edward Bernays called Propaganda, which is, you know, <clears throat> sorry... Turning off different mics and stuff as I'm, those probably be echoes. But uh, so that's a uh, he's holding up uh, the book by uh, Edward Bernays, written in 1928, called Propagandas, which uh, I've discussed before with uh, Joseph Goebbels was a fan of uh, of Edward Bernays and um, James Corbett and others have talked about him and in his background and philosophy and and whatnot. Uh, the others. You'll notice the titles have a lot a lot of times have critical in there zero growth um he didn't even get into the fact that there's a guy named uh, uh Malthus which was a he was an economist around the eighteen hundreds so the idea is that marxist is just he he was evil um even uh Mark Levin here um Though credits him because he's probably the most well-known ideologue. And everybody just keeps on bringing him back up over and over and over again. We've gone through this cycle before. We went through this in the 1930s. The Russians have gone through it. The, the Germans essentially did uh, through a, a national socialism. I mean, this, they, they incorporated fascism, which we're going to get to in, in another video here. So the idea is we go through this. There's massive amounts of suffering. There's this totalitarian control. We control speech. We censor people. We, we we install radical ideas. We disrupt society, causing massive disruption across all kinds of stratas of people. It doesn't matter what your race is or what your gender is. This isn't, this isn't even about, put it this way, this is all about pitting people against each other so that they can get, get us to argue and be antagonistic towards each other. Meanwhile, the elite, they just sit back and watch. Um, I honestly, and I've, I've said this before, I honestly believe that they just sit back to entertain themselves. Because what normally is going on here, at least in my opinion, is not only that they want to institute this strategy, they're doing it out of spite because they hate us. They hate us because chances are at some point or another, somebody got a little bit pissed off about the fact that we know about them. We know what they're into. We know what they're doing and they're untouchable and we can't do anything about them because they're always protected by other lower, lower level flying monkeys that allow them to do what they do. See, evil can, evil can continue to exist when you can't shine a light on it. It's bad when our Department of Justice has continued to cover for Hunter Biden and allow him to do what he does. Um, It's just it's just sick. But he's even he's just a low level. He's a middle of the road person in this this drama. I mean, Biden is he's just a puppet. But to the same token, there's people like Gates who are caught. Uh, There's people. People probably, if you look at the British Empire, if you look at uh, Prince Andrew, he's caught. Uh, Bill Clinton caught. Because it's amazing that these people are behind the scenes pulling strings. They're involved in a lot of this stuff. Plus, like, for example, um, so we're going to move on to the next uh, uh, video. This is by... Actually, Russell Russell Brand, who's a Hollywoodite, but he he put together or cut together an interesting video. So we're going to start with Eric Schmidt um, just a second here.
2: The highly educated, the people who are driving this will all be fine. In other words, everybody in Davos and the Davos universe will
3: be fine. If you were worried about Davos, perhaps thinking that the Great Reset was a real thing, not going to alarm you to hear Eric Schmidt So the Davos universe will be fine. That might as well have been Darth Vader. The Davos universe will be fine. What about that planet you're blowing up to our upset Princess Leia? Oh no, they're fine. In this episode of our Great Reset series, we'll be looking at Eric Schmidt talking in Davos and reading from Naomi Klein's article in The Intercept to pose the question... Are big tech and governments colluding to prevent us having any meaningful power forever? What is your vision for the future state of
2: the digital economy? New developments in machine intelligence will make us far, far smarter as a result. And this means everyone on the planet. It's pretty
3: clear that these kind of leaders, these influential and powerful figures, see technology as the solution to all of our problems. There's no doubt that technology has solved many, many problems, but the idea of a technological solution underwritten by capitalist principles, I think, is terrifying because it could involve giving massive amounts of data to companies that have already shown that they will misuse it, and massive amounts of power to companies and states that are becoming increasingly less interested in simple things like civil liberties. Naomi Klein had this to say. It's taken some time to gel, but something resembling a coherent pandemic shock doctrine is beginning to emerge. She's using her own phrase there where Naomi Klein says that often wars are used to usher in new laws or tragic events like 9-11 and its relationship to the Gulf War or how in many Latin American countries uh, disruption was provoked by secret service agencies and then solutions to those problems were provided. I suppose what Naomi Klein is asking is, is the pandemic, even if it's an entirely legitimate medical problem, being used to fortify power of institutions that already have a great deal of power, she says.
0: Yeah, there's you. your there's your question there, uh, that uh, and this when Naomi Klein wrote this, she was back in May of 2020. This was right right before the Great Reset rolled out the book uh, COVID nineteen, the Great Reset. So. You know this is all being well planned well coordinated this was do, this was done they didn't do this in a month they didn't do this in two months they've they were they've been planning this for years and that's where Glenn Breck will come in and'll we'll we finish off with uh, a little snippet from him later but I' will play a little bit more of this from Russell brand because he's just a Hollywood actor but I mean like you mentioned uh civil liberties does that matter at all to anybody does it seem to be, does it seem to uh uh confuse people that uh, suddenly uh, HIPAA laws don't matter anymore remember how your medical uh, information is supposed to be you know highly important and you're not supposed to you know the the hospitals and, and other people are not supposed to have access to your information but now they want you to take a COVID vaccine and then they want to or gene therapy or whatever you want to call it, but I would say it's not a vaccine vaccine. It's not a standard vaccine. It's a new technology that they're implementing on the United States population and other places. And then they want you to take this, get this little COVID passport. Suddenly you need another form of identification. Meanwhile, the Democrats are trying to pass through a, a, a comprehensive federal voter bill that is going to going to ask you not to provide any ID to vote. Doesn't seem kind of at loggerheads to each other. Why are they doing that? Because they can. Because they think they can. See, they think they have all the power in the world. And no one is stopping them. No one is stopping them. This is how the Nazis took over in Germany. No one stopped them. They There was very little resistance until it was way too late. And guess what? That led to a cataclysmic war. That reshaped the foundations of this earth, uh, in many ways. As a matter of fact, it it finally ended, ostensibly with uh, the detonations of two nuclear bombs or two atomic bombs. Let me get that right. <clears throat> so, and the idea was uh, that we were working on that. Now, these people uh, in Davos, as he called them, you know the. They said uh, this won't this won't affect them. And this is Eric Schmidt. Eric Schmidt is one of the biggest was one of the, uh, Hillary Clinton's biggest donors. Um, food for thought. Uh, I looked up uh, the the Clinton Foundation, the Clinton Health Initiative, and uh, according to the numbers I calculated, uh, Hillary Clinton's uh, found the the foundation not just Hillary but uh, the foundation has received more than a half billion dollars from Bill and Melinda Gates. Now, you'll say, well, you know, it's a lot of money, but, you know, you can't, I mean, how much of, uh, they didn't get very much of that. Well, I would, I would suggest, I would like to suggest to you that probably about t- anywhere from 10 to 20% of that money went directly into the Clinton coffers, and the other 80% went to staffing and and pretending to do a lot of good things. And, and the, the reason why that matters is because Gates was a part of this, so is Schmidt, the technologist. They're pushing this. It's amazing how, in a matter of just twenty some odd years, Google went from being, you know, launched out in California, I think in nineteen ninety eight, so twenty three years ago, and in a matter of that time, you have a guy like you know um, Schmidt here who's talking about he talks about AI, and you can't see it, but in this uh, this uh, video, uh, who's sitting right next to him, Sheryl Sandberg, who's the COO of Of Facebook, so they're just sitting around as happy as you please, talking about these things. And this is what these these uh, these technocrats think. You know, these powerful technocrats, they sit around and envision a world in their mind, and they don't even really think about the people that they're they're impacting. They really don't care about you know brown people or or uh, Asian people or Hispanic people or, or or Italians or. Croats, or you know, you name them; they don't really care about them. If they're not making, if they're not worth nine figures, they're not even in the conversation. That's the truth. If you are not in the the most powerful people in the world, and you have to have a minimum buy in entry to be in that world, they're not caring about you one, day, one uh, whatsoever. I think George Carlin said that one time. He says it's a it's a real big club, and you are not in it. And that's exactly what's going on. So we'll continue on with Mr. Brown here.
3: The solutions we're being offered are far more high-tech than anything we've seen during previous disasters. The future that's being rushed into being treats our past weeks of physical isolation not as a painful necessity to save lives, but as a living laboratory for a permanent and highly profitable no-touch future. One of my concerns when the regulations around this pandemic became further entrenched was They may well be necessary to stop the spread of coronavirus, but a side effect of this necessity, shall we say, is that it's beneficial to very powerful interests. Amazon benefits. The state always benefits from more control. And if a particular situation benefits the most powerful interests in the world, how will people without power ever challenge a return to ordinary life or normal life? In the same way, of course... But it doesn't matter to powerful interests that there are poor people, or homeless people, or mentally ill people. So the measures that are offered will always be measures that do not affect the interests of the powerful. Now we have something on a global scale that is representative of a paradigm we've seen in action for a long time.
2: There'll be so many IP addresses, so many devices, sensors, things that you're wearing, things that you're interacting with, that you won't even sense it'll be part of your presence all
3: the time. Oh, that's not terrifying. I'm not even sensing some up me ass probe that's making decisions about how I travel to work. Well, I say work, from the bathroom to the front room to sit blithely staring. Imagine you walk into a room,
2: and the room is is dynamic, right? And you, again, with your permission and all of that...
3: Yeah, yeah, your permission. You can't probably get your permission, but you'll be on a very, very long, boring document that you won't want to read. Hey, why are my nipples buzzing? You gave your permission.
2: You're interacting with the things going on in the room a highly personalised, highly interactive, and very, very interesting world emerges.
3: We've got that already. We've got eyes, and ears, and noses, and Mozart, and God, and pets, and love, and one another, Eric. Not everything has to be coming at us through a phone.
2: It's all basically because these smartphones are really supercomputers. Talk to the people that I meet with for whom the arrival of the smartphone is the most important thing in their life, perhaps besides that of a child.
3: When I think about my... Best experiences in my life. There's the birth of my first child. That was amazing. The miracle of the childbirth. Second child, feel like I'm really part of family. But when I got this little guy, hold on. Where's my phone? Where is it? Get them children out onto those streets. Just find my phone. Siri. Siri
2: four hundred million people in the past year got a smartphone. And if you think that's a big deal, imagine the impact on that on that person in a developing world. Of
0: course. So that's interesting too, because these are the same people that know that the the cell phone is highly addictive, and that many people have, have grown very fond and attached of it. As a matter of fact, they've made it addictive. That's why social media has been uh, uh, catastrophic to the the way people interact, the way people look at each other. Um, they're, they, um, when I say look at each other, they don't look at each other. So we don't, we're, we're unable to read social cues as well as we probably once did. We don't interact personally as much. We interact through text and through video chat rooms and videos and, and whatnot. And, And of course they like this because they also can monitor us because all the while you've been doing this, all the while you've been giving your personal data to them, uh, they've been storing it and storing your word choices and storing what you're thinking about and cho- uh, storing your uh, inflections and, and teaching their and having their AI learn about human human beings, and then of course they regurgitate that stuff back at you, and then they learn about you know the the host of uh, they think neuro- neurological ticks to get you more addicted. They know how to present de- information to you that's going to keep you more entertained or more focused on what they want you to be focused on. And so they install their propaganda and all that kind of stuff, and they feed you a line of crap from that situation. And this is all being done almost unbeknownst to many people. And even if people are uh, hyper-aware of it, when they suggest this to the average person, you know, when I say average person, just somebody who's just, they go about their lives, and, and yet they have a phone, and they like to play games on it and whatnot. And and there may be some people that it doesn't have any impact on, but let's just say that they 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 are somehow sucked into the world of being either hyper partisan or political, or or there's a cause that somebody brings up to them, and they get attached to it on Facebook or Twitter or wherever else, and they get into this little echo chamber. And it it can be anywhere; it could be on YouTube, it could be on an alternative site. And the thing is, is it's very addictive. It's really addictive when they're presenting, like for example on YouTube, they present all the things you should be looking at on the right hand side of the page. And uh, you know, the suggested, your suggested uh, lookups based upon your prior video playing history and whatnot. So unless you have a, uh, let's just say a wide uh, array of interest, uh, you're going to get all kinds of things that are going to be similarly suggestible to you. The point is, is when you have, uh, so they're so happy to turn on this uh, system where they're going to have an extra four hundred million people hooked to a smartphone. Of course, they can track you. They can manipulate the data that's coming to to you, coming out of you. Expect you to give them information. Expect you to give them location. That's the reason why they always want you to carry around a smartphone because it's very important. You know, the best thing you can do is not have a smartphone. The next best thing you could probably do is like look don't use your smartphone very often and if you do you you just leave it at home so it just becomes like a landline so as far as they know now i know people say well the reason why i have a smartphone is cuz you know in case of emergencies i want or if i have to if i want to go shopping it's like you know well before there were smartphones you used to be able to go out and you would shop and you didn't have a phone with you and you just went around and you just shop uh randomly without anybody knowing where you went what you did and that was pretty good. See, they don't want you to do that. They don't even want you to be off grid. They don't want you to be disconnected from their matrix that they're trying to build in front of you. Uh, they want you to be uh, a slave to the system. And they already—that's the reason why they wanted to get everybody st- uh, stationary. Matter of fact, they wanted—I think maybe part of it was—is that's the reason why they instituted that six feet of separation. That was so that the AI could dis- differentiate between different people. And they were teaching. They they put up cameras around the country and around in different um, localities, and they wanted to see how compliant people were. This has all been been about a uh, installing a second surveillance system, um, and surveillance control censorship, based upon the Chinese model in some degree. Um, I don't know how much it. I haven't had a lot of. Instances to know everything about the Chinese except for the social credit score which has been going on for about seven or eight years. So anyway, uh, we'll play a little bit more from his uh, video. I'm, I'm playing it from the beginning so we'll go from there.
3: Like, we all love our devices but surely at this point in history we're beginning to question the deal we may have made with technology that we have a device that offers us connection, but mines our data, that manipulates our attention. For me, when I see Eric Schmidt saying, imagine the impact on the developing world, I don't think, it's going to be great. I think, that's terrifying. It sounds like a terrifying prediction. Klein continues that the doctrine being offered by Eric Schmidt and his Davos acolytes includes... Far fewer teachers being employed, fewer doctors and drivers. A future where society accepts no cash or credit cards under the guise of virus control. A future that claims to be run on artificial intelligence but is actually held together by tens of millions of anonymous workers tucked away in warehouses and data centers, content moderation mills, electronic sweatshops, lithium mines, industrial farms, meat processing plants and prisons where they are left unprotected from disease and hyper exploitation. The phone is an interesting metaphor isn't it? Because it provides us with a beautiful gadget with a shimmering screen that gives us access to products and people but behind it are the contents of the phone the the necessary minerals that go into it We're being offered a culture like this that seems, if you are in a position of privilege, to be shimmering and attractive, but it's held up on the labour of millions of oppressed people. Perhaps the post-colonial world or even the feudal world has always been like this, but we can't now, with the benefit of hindsight, present it as a utopia. We have to acknowledge it for what it is an unfair, corrupt and exploitative system. We can't draw a veil over the millions of oppressed people simply by saying, look at what a great job we're doing of delivering commodities, or providing interesting and intricate apps. We have to own the shadow of these technological advances. And unless the ideals behind them are altered, changed, put in the hands of ordinary people, we are advancing, accelerating at a terrifying rate. To a future
0: where you have no power or influence over your own life. The global is So yeah, there you go. Uh, he's, he's saying it pretty clear there that uh, yeah, we're advancing at an exponential rate and we have been for the last you know 20 some odd years. you know once the smart and the smartphone came online, I think in 2008 with Apple, and Apple abuses their labor, they use Chinese labor, the, they use uh, Foxconn. Foxconn had to put up uh, uh, a Suicide nets around their uh, Facility over in China There was actually stories about that And of course you know and then Foxconn Wound up in uh, Wisconsin through some kind Of deal or whatever um, See I, I The thing that people always And, and of course there's many there, the, This is where all that Marxism comes from They They talk about oh capitalism is so Evil it's like okay No what happens is is these megalomaniacs, these oligarchs, they contort things into into that situation where, yes, capitalism becomes a, become a becomes an evil. Remember where Google was not supposed to be, was supposed to be founded on all goody-goody stuff. Eric, Eric Schmidt was supposed to, you know, this is supposed to be an excellent platform for you. And then there's the meme out there that says, Google, be evil. And they did. And we caught them in the act about, you know, it was about 2017, I think it was uh, fall of 2017 when James Damore came out and he he said something that seemed fairly rational. But, you know, as it turned out four years ago, he was giving us a warning and nobody, I mean, when I want to say nobody. There were many people who, who took to heart what he was saying, but he was fired from Google. And this was the, the beginning of the censorship uh, uh, brigade between Alex Jones and between... Uh, James Damore and other people started to get platform At first, it was a few, uh, you know, isolated incidences. Then it became bigger and bigger, and then, of course, it culminated in, on January eighth with uh, President Donald Trump. See, that was a, that was a finger, in, that was a finger to all of us that said, uh, we can take down the president of the United States. That's how powerful we are. That was Davos's way. That was Davos and all the big tech people. Believe me, these people talk together. All that's why they meet together every year at Davos, Switzerland. Switzerland is a neutral country, so they can go there and they can shoot the shit and uh, and dream up ways and schemes to control the world or marketing campaigns. Because they invite all the big wigs, the the Schmitz, the Jamie Diamonds, the Bill Gateses. Um, Then they get coverage from CNBC, and Bloomberg, and all the big uh, 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 what would you call financial sector. Um, outlets that come and uh, Do interviews with all these uh, These uh, think tank Think tank and big corporations Who talk about what's What they're going to do next um, So play one last clip From uh, Glenn Beck And we'll go from there So,
4: We've shown you how the far left Is using the environment To push their agenda. It's an all-out effort. You know, like a world war, but it's us against greenhouse gases. I see the need for action. I see the need for a great reset. We've shown you how big government is in bed with all of the powerful players needed to make their socialistic fascistic agendas a reality. They've been following your money, and we're about to be choked into compliance. It all comes together in a new social credit score that's right around the corner it's called esg tonight the s the social justice component that's about to transform this nation and your life forever. Coca-Cola making steps to increase diversity in the legal profession. Apparently, we're not allowed to use the term "normal" anymore. Let's new commercials about a father teaching his transgender son how to shave. Dick's Sporting Goods will stop selling assault-style rifles with nike as well they're just trying to show that they are also forward thinking it's no coincidence that america's largest corporations are all taking drastic measures to prove their loyalty to the left's woke mob and we need to just go right on over and shine their shoes and it's trickling down to the most vulnerable among us our kids
1: Critical race theory is making its way into our after-school program. the superintendent said Tuesday that LGBTQ
4: history is a part of American history. Transgender students in the five high schools now have unrestricted access to locker rooms and restrooms. Photos from a class were leaked and debated that showed a presentation on white privilege. Social justice is no longer a simple catchphrase used by the left. It has become a monetized... To ensure you bend the knee to their demands And it is coming for you, for your business, for your kids (laughs) That is, if it hasn't already Tonight I'll show you the proof of the danger that is coming our way Tonight, comply or die How America will enforce total wokeness
0: So, let's get this turned off here so, yeah, th- that's this lead into it. He, at the end, he, he comes up with, let me see if I can luckily get back to that. So let's see if I can
4: Talking to you one- on one. You might be at this point and say, well, I'm never going to say that it's systematically racist. I'm not going through the critical, you know, race lessons at school. Uh, or at, uh, at my business, but many of you already have, and you haven't said anything, because you know the consequence today, you might lose your job. These consequences are going to be universal. If you speak out, if you're me, with a very clear record of what I believe, and what I do, and what I don't do, Uh, I am setting back human rights, I guess. That's what they could say. I won't get a loan. I won't be able to buy a house. I probably won't be able to rent anything, either. I won't be able to buy things. I won't be able to get a loan. You will comply if that is the choice. Most will. I just want you to prepare and don't uh don't don't be more uh don't, don't be frivolous on what you think you can and cannot do. Don't dismiss how hard it's going to be, but don't you dare dismiss how strong you are and how strong we are when we stand up together. More in a minute.
0: So I think, think you can you can get the um, intimation there that um this is gonna be this is gonna be hard and it's being forced down her throat. Um because what, what this boils down to is this, these are people who, who have lusted for power for so long, and once they get power, they, they, are, they are adamant that they think they're morally superior and they think they're morally right. And they think that anything you say or do against what, they're, what they believe uh, makes you the enemy. And because these people operate on a very collectivist mindset, They don't. They have no problem destroying you. They don't have any problem sending their thugs after you. That's what you know. It happened in the brown shirts, and it happened in the with the Nazis, and it happened with the uh, with the Russians. They you know anytime you get, they're going to get a. They're going to put in power. For example, in the United States, uh, once Joe Biden steps down, one way or another, uh, Kamala Harris will take over. And we know she's an authoritarian asshat. She was, she locked up black men for fun out in California when she was an attorney general. She'll do the same. She'll enjoy the power. She'll enjoy using it and abusing it. And the people in Congress that are currently available to us, they won't do anything about it. Uh, the Republicans are weak. They always have been weak. Even with a even with this, they 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 have shown their true colors they're on board with this they would rather, they they don't really care they they got enough money and they'll put up with it for as long as i put up with it The for the rest of us though this country who we grew up in many of us grew up in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s and remember this country wasn't the things that they say it is it's only been in the last 20 years that this has really kicked off and i mean i i i hate to harken back to 911 but 911 was the beginning of the end, and when I say beginning of the end, the twenty years since then has been a, a trek to to take away and strip away freedoms. Uh, some of it, it, you know, is tied back to when you talk about Marxism. It's tied back to uh, the second wave of feminism. I know feminists don't want to hear that, but it's true because they were hell bent on getting their quote unquote rights and. If they didn't really think about it, they men relented. We allowed this to go forward. We allowed this to take place. You know, if you think about the uh, the Duluth model being instituted in the criminal justice system and equity courts and, and uh, uh divorces and the destruction of family, then you have the the rash of the growth and increase of single motherhood. Of course, with single motherhood. And you know, I know there's complaints that men didn't, men didn't hold up their end of the agreement. Well, a lot of times men didn't make those choices. At least 70% of the time, women were the ones who filed for divorce. Irrespective of what the reason was, how many of those were truthful reasons, we don't know. The, the, the problem is is the outcome of those things. The outcome of those things is that you had kids that weren't raised by either either parent. Because the mother was working, the father was either gone or working on his own and uh, working to, to provide for the kid. But I, I, when you duplicate households, there's going to be a greater increase of – that was helpful to corporate America. They wanted more. They wanted more duplication of households, more, more debt because you know, that drove up the debt and cr- uh, credit crisis that we've seen. People don't save. Uh, or haven't been, uh, as of, I think it was like 2005, American savings went negative for a little while. And then, you know, then you had the economic crisis of 2008, housing bubble. You also had uh, jobs getting shipped overseas and continuing to get shipped overseas under Obama. And he even said, uh, he, he purposely, he he dug it in. He said, those jobs aren't coming back we need to become more we need to worry about climate change more you know but you know the part of the part and parcel to that problem was is if you would have had more unit families less households you would have had uh less consumerism and less consumerism would have driven down the amount of carbon emissions and china wouldn't have grown uh, wouldn't have had as many job opportunities uh the world would probably would have not had that issue when China joined a trade organization, all American factories did was just outsource all their uh, all their unclean uh, um, manufacturing to China where there's no regulation. They didn't have to worry about regulation over there, and China didn't care in a matter of like was, uh, and, and of course, you know the, the, that's, that's the easy way for the Chinese to blame it on us, but it was their fault. They didn't have, they, they, they didn't care about, they didn't care about regulation, they didn't care about their people. They just cared about making getting up more powerful. And we were stupid enough to give it to them, strategically speaking. When you do all those things and then you're at home and then the infiltration started and had been started for years with uh, the intersectionality and the cultural Marcus, Marxism in the schools and all this uh, hogwash that got shoved down our kids' throat. You see, I remember growing up in the 80s and we didn't have the we didn't have the issues with racial injustice i grew up in tennessee i lived in tennessee i went to school with uh, a substantial uh, um uh population of uh, of whether you want to call them minorities or or blacks or whatever label you want to adjust to them i my one of my best friends his name was michael cunningham he was a he was a black kid down the street that i used to play, go over to his house and we played basketball out in his backyard he had a, a little hoop and he loved uh, Dr. J and I loved uh, Larry Bird. I mean, there was no racial bigotry. This was in Tennessee. This was 1981, matter of fact, right before I left there. I was nine years old then. And so, and then I came to Northwest Indiana and even there was probably more significantly biased and racist than it was down in Tennessee. Uh, ret- retrospectively, that I can uh, that I can look back and say, yeah, there was probably a little bit more of it, uh, but not a, not not to the level or to degree that anybody's pushed it. Nobody grew up like this. Was there was there a time in this country where that was a, a big deal? Yeah, during the civil rights era. Yeah, the late fifties, early sixties, there was a lot popping off. I wasn't then. I wasn't alive. Um, but then the media also painted that into a, a picture and a portrayal. And we will never know uh, how much of that has been uh, manipulated to to suit someone's needs and objectives because normally that's what happens um, even though there had already been integration in sports and and a host of other uh avenues there were places and there always has been where there's been there's been a lack of uniformity of basic. You know, basic law, and many of those things happened in the South, and many of those things were tied to Democratic, uh, Democrat, Democrat uh, leadership that existed. You know, going back to the, uh, the outflow of the of the six, uh, Civil War and restitution era. See, I don't. And that's why I always think it's funny that the Democrats always run home to race. It's like they're, it's like they're they're they just can't let go of that and first it was racism for just racism's sake because they hate I hate because of the loss and and everything else of the civil war then it became a tool an ex, a tool of exploitation because really the white like they said the white liberal if you think of LBJ you know he he said how can we how can we manipulate these people oh well we'll just you know we'll uh, sabotage their their actual their ability to be self-sufficient and have agency and go out and get businesses will sabotage them by, uh, you know, really playing up the playing up the division between men and women, like the 1960s turned out to be, with feminism. They found they found feminism was a was a healthy healthy objective or a healthy way to split apart the sexes and split apart the family, which is Marxism. You know, uh, one of Marx's biggest objectives. That's why feminists love, feminists love Marxism so much because that was one of Marx's biggest goals was to break down the family because if you break down the family, then you break down the cohesiveness of society to where you can, you know, erasing boundaries, erasing um, just a host of things is just just the, the, the epitome of what what he's after, what he was after uh, to, to the nth degree. I'm going to play a couple of videos uh, with uh, Yuri Bezmanov. Actually, I'm just going to play this because this is from Call of Duty. So we're going to let Mr. Bezmanov uh, shine here for a second.
5: Change of power, structure, and economy. A of normalization. This is what will happen in the United States if you allow all the schmucks to put a big brother government in Washington, D.C. you will promise lots of things, never mind whether the promises are fulfilled or not.
0: So there you go, Mr. Yuri Bezmenov. This is a commercial for Call of Duty. the The comments here should be quite interesting. This was this has been viewed two and a half million times and has been quite positive. But uh, yeah, there's the as a at least one commenter got right. There's first ca- first stage is demoralization, which is what we've been going through for decades now in the United States. And then destabilization, which it, Actually, probably right now, this is the destabilization uh, period of our. Uh, COVID 19 uh, created the destabilization of uh, our institutions as we see now that they do not work. They don't work because they've been infiltrated so deeply by Marxist ideology. And uh, the next thing will be crisis. And then uh, crisis, and then uh, normal. And then you have finally normalization. The crisis, though, is going to be—it uh, probably will be—in this case, for the United States, it'll be economic crisis because the Marxists have, since they're throwing around, throwing around you know, multi-trillion-dollar bills, and they plan on doing this and doing that, and they think they're going to—they think they can—they're implementing this you know, modern mo- monetary theory. The funny thing is, is China and Russia right now are exploiting our stupidity, and they're going to destroy this country. On the economic front, they, they want to take us whole. Uh, China made that made that particular idea. They want to take this country uh, without a without us uh, firing a shot. And I think we have enough traders in D.C. that'll hand over this country to them, or disarm, demilitarize, or um, you know, take their weapons offline, take nuclear weapons offline. So that China will then gladly get on their boats and ships and come over here. That will be after that they will stand down our military. That's how evil these people are. I I see traitors to the, the nth degree. I'm not saying it's gonna ha- it ain't gonna happen anytime soon. It'll be a period of years before that all take place. But uh, the economic collapse will will trigger this. It happened. In, remember, the Soviet Union collapsed in 1990, 1991 this was 46 years after world war 2 only took 46 years for it to collapse and now we're at 76 years and as much as i want to say there's good things in this country that are still available for us to fight fight with or fight for and we still have you know an economy that can possibly dig itself out of this situation We've destroyed all the small businesses, or we're going that way. I think it was like a hundred thousand or more that have been wiped out, and it doesn't seem like a lot, but that is a lot. Uh, we don't know what the you know. If you're one of those small business owners, I I pray for you. I, I know it's been difficult, but um, the Biden Biden's crap is not going to end, and they're gonna it, it, they're using him. He's a he's a perfect ploy. He's he's the perfect sucker for everything they're doing. And of course, they're saying yes, yes, you're going to become the next great, uh, uh, you know, l- you know, progressive. I was just filling in full, filling full of lies. Um, but um, see, here's another video uh, with him in it. I'll let me pull it up here real quickly.
1: Uh... When uh, the Soviets used. The- phrase ideological
5: subversion what do they mean ideological subversion is is the process which is legitimate overt, and open you, you can see it with your own eyes all, all you have to do all American mass media has to do is to unplug their bananas from their ears open up their eyes and they can see it there is no mystery there is nothing to do with espionage I know that espionage intelligence gathering looks more romantic It sells more deodorants through the advertising, probably. That's why your Hollywood producers are so crazy about James Bond-type thrillers. But in reality, the main emphasis of the KGB is not in the area of intelligence at all. According to my opinion, and opinion of many defectors of my caliber, only about 15% of time, money, and manpower is spent on espionage as such. The other 85% is a slow process, which we call either ideological subversion or active measures, активные мероприятия, in the language of the KGB, or psychological warfare. What it basically means is to change the perception of reality of every American to such an extent that despite of the abundance of information, no one is able to come to sensible conclusions in the interest of defending themselves, their families, their community and their country. It's a great brainwashing uh, process which goes very slow and it's divided in in four basic stages. Uh, The first one being demoralization. It takes from 15 to 20 years to demoralize a nation. Why that many years? Because this is the minimum number of years which requires to uh, educate one generation of students in the country of, of, of your enemy, exposed to the ideology of the enemy. In other words, Marxism-Leninism ideology is being pumped into the soft heads of, of, of at least three generations of American students without being challenged or counterbalanced by the basic values of Americanism, American patriotism. The result? The result you can see. Most of the people who graduated in the 60s, dropouts or half-baked intellectuals, are now occupying the positions of power in the government civil service business mass media educational system you are stuck with them you cannot get rid of them they are contaminated they're programmed to think and react to certain stimuli in a certain pattern you cannot change their mind even if you you expose them to authentic information even if you prove that white is white and black is, uh, is black you still cannot change the basic perception and the logic of behavior. In other words, these people, uh, uh, the process of demoralization is complete and irreversible. To get rid society of these people, you have you need another 20 or, or, or 15 years to educate a new generation of patriotically minded and, and, and uh, common, common sense people who would be acting in favor and in the interests of, of the uh, of, uh, United States society. And yet these people who have been programmed and, as you say, in place, and who are favorable to an opening of the Soviet concept, these are the very people who would be marked for extermination in this country? Most of them, yes. Uh, uh, simply because the psychological shock, when, when they will see in future what the, what the beautiful society of equality and social justice means in practice, Obviously, they will revolt they, they, they will uh, they, they will be very unhappy frustrated people and the Marxist Leninist regime does not tolerate these people uh, they obviously they will join the links of dissenters dissidents uh, unlike in present United States there will be no place for dissent in, in future Marxist Leninist America uh, here you can you can get uh, Popular, like uh, Daniel Ellsberg, and filthy rich, like Jane Fonda, for being dissident, for criticizing your Pentagon. In future, these people will be simply squashed like cockroaches. Nobody is going to pay them nothing for their beautiful, noble ideas of equality. This they don't understand, and uh, it will be a greatest shock for them, of course. The demoralization process in the United States is basically completed already uh, for the last thirty-five years. is unable to assess true information. The facts tell nothing to him. Uh, Even if I shower him with information, with with authentic proof, with documents, with pictures, even if I take him by force to the Soviet Union and show him concentration camp, he will refuse to believe it until he he is going to receive a kick in in his fat bottom. When a military boot crashes his, then he will understand but not before that. That's the tragic of the situation of demoralization. So, basically, America is stuck with, with demoralization. And unless, even if, if you start right now, here, this minute, you start educating your generation of America, it will still take you 15 to 20 years to turn the tide of, uh, of ideological perception of reality uh, back to normal, normalcy and, and uh, patriotism. The next stage is destabilization. This time, subverter does not care about your ideas and the patterns of your consumption. Whether you eat junk food and get fat and flabby, it doesn't matter anymore. This time, and it takes only from two to five years to destabilize a nation, uh, It's what, what matters is essentials. Economy, foreign relations, defense systems. Uh, and you can see it quite clearly that in some areas...
0: Uh, you get that? So economy, foreign relations, defense systems. So, so the military is now going woke, total woke. Um, that's what the stand down was for. They're they're rooting out quote the non hackers that don't um, fit their beloved wokeness, and um, in instituting this hard left ideology. And they're they're you know rounding up or getting they supposedly mustering out the the people that don't fit that, and so. That's your defense systems in and of itself. Foreign relations, uh, yeah, we're going to have a breakdown in foreign relations already. We saw Tony Blinken go up to Alaska and get his clock cleaned by the Chinese, but that isn't going to be the first or last time. That's going to keep on happening. Uh, in the economics, that's just goes without saying, you know. Once you take down the economy, which is yeah, with the the fact that we have a money supply that's just going uh, going through the roof and we have a debt level that's going through the roof and we have people that are just so arrogant to think that, you know, there's no, they're sitting at home thinking, oh, I'm getting a free STEMI check from somebody. You're not getting a free anything. You're paying you're paying five times the amount of, put uh, this away, if, if uh, say you're getting a stimulus check for $1,200 dollars, uh, if you take the bill that they actually put through Congress, I think it was like something like it winds up being about seven or eight thousand dollars per per person. So you're not getting, you they're pay they're paying you they're not paying you off. <laughs> they're giving you pennies on a dollar for whatever uh, taxation that you've gotten, and they're printing money out of thin air. We're going to have hyperinflation. It's going to go berserk, and I mean, I don't know if it'll be. I don't know how high it's going to go. There's no telling. You know, the market has its own mi- mindset. So, I mean, uh, right, it's funny right now that the the stock market's um riding at all, all-time highs, but that's all all being buttressed by funny funny money. So, when or if this crashes, and it will, and this will buy, I hope uh oh, it, it, that's going to be there's going to be a carnage that is going to get triggered and and then that's when martial law get kicked off and then uh, guess what I don't know what'll happen after that, but that's that's who knows we don't know how soon that's going to take place, but um you know I hate to be the bearer of bad tidings, but that 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 is definitely in the cards, and that'll be the yeah, they'll be the cusp of the destabilization
5: in such sensitive areas is uh, defense and economy. Uh, The uh, influence of Marxist-Leninist ideas in the United States is absolutely fantastic. I I could never believe it, 14 years ago, when I landed uh, in this part of the world, that the process will go that fast. Uh, The next stage, of course, is crisis. It it, it may take only up to six weeks to to bring a country to the verge of crisis. You can see it in in Central America now. And after crisis, with a violent change of, of power, structure and economy, you have so-called the period of normalization. It may last indefinitely. Normalization is a cynical expression born from Soviet propaganda. When the Soviet tanks moved into Czechoslovakia in '68, Comrade Brezhnev said, now the situation in brotherly Czechoslovakia is normalized. This is what will happen in the United States if you allow all these schmucks to bring the country to crisis, to promise people all kinds of goodies and the paradise on Earth just uh, to, to destabilize your uh, economy to eliminate the principle of free market competition and to put a big brother government in washington dc with the uh, benevolent dictators like walter mondale who will promise lots of things never mind whether the promises are fulfilled or not he will go to moscow to kiss the bottoms of, of new generation of soviet assassins never mind he will create false illusions that. The uh, situation is under control. situation is not under control. situation is disgustingly out of control. Most of the American politicians, media and educational system trains another generation of people who think they are living at a peacetime. False. The United States is in the state of war. Undeclared total war against the basic principles and the foundations of, of this system. And, and the initiator of this war is not Comrade Andropov, of course. Uh, it's it's the system, however ridiculous it may sound, the world communist system or the world communist conspiracy. Whether I scare some people or not, I don't give a hood. Uh, if if you are not scared by now, nothing can scare you. But you don't have to be paranoid about it. What, what actually happens now, that unlike myself, you have... Literally several years to live on, unless the United States wake up, the, the time bomb is ticking. But every second, the disaster is coming closer and closer. Unlike myself, you will have nowhere to defect to, unless you want to live in Antarctica with penguins. This is it. This is the last country of freedom and, and possibility.
0: Okay, so what do we do? What is your... so, yeah, so what do we do? That's the good. That's the million-dollar question. Um, I don't know. We'll save that for the next episode. Um, what do we do? I, I've said I was going to try to uh, come up with some answers. There's other people that have come up with better answers than I can ever achieve. Um, I think they're 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 trying to they're put the best light on it. Uh, I would say, obviously, think local. Get to know your Know the local uh, people around you. Hopefully, you have a local law enforcement that actually is worth worth uh, talking to. Maybe he's your brother, maybe your cousin, somebody you trust, can trust. Because when this touches off, it's going it's to take a lot of uh, creativity to stay out of the crosshairs of what comes down the front of the hike. Probably. But of course, like he said, if I can't scare you, then and do what you got to do. I can only continue to make these uh, podcasts in the hopes to wake people up as many as possible that actually care about their liberties and care about this country. Like you said, in the United States it is a last bastion. Um, if we don't watch it, this is, this is going to fall. We don't want that. The people, the schmucks that have brought us to this point the schmucks in the Washington, D.C., they don't care about you. The schmucks in Davos, the, sh- the schmucks in Silicon Valley were crying about their freedoms and ability to do what they wanted to do, and they got the ability to, it, and they got control. And now, what they're doing destroying this country. I'll let you know that you should never let a technocrat take over anything because underneath every techno grad is on the market, so I'm waiting for yearning to get out. So I hope uh, you can enjoy your day. Best you can. God bless the United States of America. God bless you.